0: Hello everyone, um, yeah, this isn't turning on, okay. we currently having some technical difficulties without Brian. Um, Who, who's Brian? <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure how our new fancy mics turn on. Um, That's his one job, Brian
1: Shuley, the, <laughs> the third member of this podcast, who's not here today because guess what, he had real work. Real in our trust Charleston, South Carolina office, so you've got Luke, and you've got Hannah, and he might text us in if there's something. I
0: could try Google. Obvious. Yes.
1: Or if any viewers know how to turn on these fancy blue microphones, <laughs> that was always Brian's one job. So, <laughs> uh, um, hopefully, you can hear us. Otherwise, and she's gonna be googling, but um. If you're here, I think we're we're obviously talking about the Stephen Smith yes. evolution.
0: If you've been following. So, real quick, give a quick introduction. We don't have Brian here to keep us on track. But this is the Bring the Jury podcast. We're typically joined by Brian Shealy. This is Luke Shealy. And I'm Hannah. Um, we cover popular um, investigations cases nationwide. They are criminal defense attorneys here in Columbia, South Carolina, also located in Charleston. That's where Brian is right now. Um, You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of these social media platforms. We record our episodes live, which is what you're turning into right now, but all episodes are then uploaded to YouTube the following day and also on streaming platforms such as Spotify, uh, Google Pod, Apple, all that good stuff. So, We'll go ahead and just kind of dive in. We've been combing through, what, what, even, what piece of document is this? is this?
1: Well, we've got a few. I mean, last week we decided to touch on Stephen Smith again because we had some public discourse and announcements by Stephen Smith's new legal team, which is Bland and Richter. Um, that are helping his mother and, and they teased their own announcements, which was that there was a GoFundMe and that money was going to be assembled and gathered to have an autopsy, you know uh, Everybody knows an autopsy was done in this case in 2015 the doctor there um, with MUSC determined that the, the manner of death was due to a, a, a vehicular accident. It was not murder or homicide even and so that was kind of a cold case and there was a lot of angst and consternation over the years particularly from Mr. Smith's mother who didn't feel like she could get justice because they didn't have any information about who might have hit Stephen but there was just so much bubbling up on the surface that it was a murder that this, there was no justice and that these this alleged crime was being covered up And of course, uh, the Murdoch family name was dropped in it repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. You go go through the years and then of course, everybody knows about the Alex Murdoch trial, which we covered extensively. And there was a sense that in the aftermath of that, that maybe people would be more willing to come forward. That was uh, Ms. Smith's um, publicly announced sentiment. And so it kind of bubbled along and she had a, a GoFundMe and then had the money to do the autopsy. So that was where we were last week, Buster. Murdoch had announced um, publicly through his father's attorneys, like basically a letter like, leave me alone, Mm. respect my privacy, I'm sick of this. Whereas uh, Mr. Bland on behalf of Mr. Smith was announcing other things like, this is what we're doing, we wanna get justice. So fast forward, then we've actually had some new developments. If you're tuning into this, most of you know about them somewhat on the surface, but you basically had SLED, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, come out with a statement on March 22nd for immediate release that was pretty interesting. And we've got that, and it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, the fact that they're publicly making a statement on an investigation that's almost eight years old is quite interesting. But they're also kind of covering covering their butts a little bit, a little CYA from back then because we did go through some of the publicly available records back then. And they're also kind of seizing the moment of this kind of political juice. And, and don't forget, SLED is a political entity. I mean, uh, Mr. Keel there is appointed um, and the Attorney General's office that of prosecuted Mr. Murdoch um, is elected. And so it's all, it's all, um, there are political wins at stake where everybody wants to seem like they're doing the right thing on the side of justice. And so they are saying, look, we, we were not requested back in 2015 to investigate this death. Now that's interesting, because so if you look at it, they are very much involved in, in conjunction, and I read a sled crime scene investigation from that scene. I read how SLED agents were at the autopsy. So if you're not investigating it, I don't know what you're doing, but maybe they didn't feel it was official. They were just lending a hand and perhaps they're saying, well, once the pathologist said it wasn't a gunshot wound or murder, um, then they kind of bowed out and allowed it to be a highway patrol case, because again, highway patrol uh, investigates vehicle accidents. So, but this letter, says we weren't investigating then, however, on June 23rd of 2021, we opened investigation. And it seemed to be based on things that were coming to light as part of the Alex Murdoch investigation itself. And we assume that can only mean witnesses, perhaps saying things, maybe being more inclined to come forward.
0: The media, I think, had a big mm-hmm. pull in that too, like the documentaries and um, like the Murda, uh, Murders podcast I know right. I covered a lot of that extensively uh, bringing a lot of this like, to light um, like the public eye had some big pressure I think
1: oh yeah and that's the constant because if you well I'll get through this and we can talk about that but they basically said the investigation was never closed I assume they mean mm-hmm. and they're saying they weren't ever investigating it, but they opened it up in June of 2021. The investigation since then, I guess, was never closed. And here's the critical language, language that got everybody very excited last week. It remains a homicide investigation. Progress has been made and SLED's investigation is active and ongoing. So that's, that was the thing that seemed to, that term homicide seemed to get everybody going crazy last week. Um, Mr. Smith's estate, his lawyers, really keyed in on that and said, wow, and they did reference this personal phone call they had with with Director of SLED, uh, Chief Keel, and that's kind of rare. And it, and it, so we got a couple things going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but homicide is, is a very particular term, and we talked about it a little bit last week. And homicide does not mean murder, okay? At least in the world that I operate in, in homicide, is a determination that that medical pathologist will make because a coroner at the coroner's office in conjunction with the pathologist has to check a box about what caused the death what was the manner of death and by by law you have to decide whether something was an accident whether there was a self-inflicted wound or whether there was it was a natural cause to someone die of old age in their sleep did they die of a natural cause way before their time and it was just terrible combination of health or something they ate or drank so there's lots of different things but homicide when a pathologist writes homicide it means some type of intentional unnatural thing but that does not mean murder murder in south carolina is the unlawful killing of another human with malice aforethought so it has to be an unlawful killing meaning not justified and then you have to have this evil and depravity in your heart. You've got voluntary manslaughter, which goes below, and that's classic scenario. You find your, your lover in home, at home on your lunch break in bed with another person, and you lose control, and you shoot them both. That's involuntary manslaughter. Again, requires a mental state of the heat of passion. Um, and then you've got something called involuntary manslaughter, which is like a recklessness that maybe was legal, but was reckless. And so none of that is really what this means, but it does mean something intentional. But that word is is very, it has a meaning, and it does mean not a accidental hit and run, because even a hit and run, if that was that was what the Smith family had for all these years, was that perhaps a vehicle struck Mr. Smith, Maybe it was a logging truck. Maybe it was some other truck. Um, and there was no intent involved. Obviously, if you hit somebody, presumably on the side of what road is walking at night, but if you know you hit somebody and you leave, well, that can become criminal. That intent of leaving a scene of an accident becomes criminal, even if the accident wasn't. So, but you can't tell what someone's intent is until you find who that person is, but, The wild part originally was that highway patrol very much, and even the coroner, who again, probably is not medically trained, thought on scene that this was a a gunshot wound. So that was the battle that happened all those years ago, which is why for SLED to come out, and not only did they just come out, they named this doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, we can take questions and I want to hear Hannah's perspective, but you know, this is a medical professional who is highly trained, skilled, who does autopsies for a living. And and all of you that may be interested in this case followed the Murdoch trial and you heard from two pathologists and some of the, and they got, they get quite prickly when they're attacked because they have so much training behind their opinion. And so, I mean, this people. The world is basically saying she's either incompetent or somehow in cahoots, and those are real dangerous, dangerous things to allege. So, um, you want to touch on that or anything? Yeah,
0: I mean, reading reading through those documents, she does Dr. Presnell. Mm -hmm. Presnell. um, She does seem to get really defensive and almost annoyed at them, kind of questioning her, asking. You know could this have been done with a bat in a moving vehicle and then she puts it back on them I know we kind of touched about this last week, but well, did you find a bat or you know That's really claiming that that's their job to discover If there was foul play or any extra evidence all she can really do is examine what's in front of her Um, And I'm sure there's a lot of liability there. She can't just jump to some conclusion. That's not there but You know the wound is a little suspicious. I've got a lot of questions about it, um, especially that Stephen the the hole to the skull is above his right eye on his forehead, and so you know whatever impact he took, he took it head on, like watching it happen, which I just think is maybe. I just don't. Well, I mean, maybe I guess. Um, I mean, well, I guess it makes it hard for me to believe that it was that he just watched a car, I guess, like come and hit him. Um, if that's you know, I know there's multiple ways to skin a cat, I guess, right. but um,
1: well, yeah. it's hard to say, and that's why these doctors get receive a body. I mean, they generally kind of get some information: found him on the road, or found him in a pile of blood, you know, so. They get some information and there are law enforcement is there, so they do receive something, but they have to make their own independent medical judgment. The thing that they never really know, and that they're not part of the the story to tell, is the mental state. If they determine something is homicide, clearly a gunshot wound, unless it's self-inflicted, they will always say that's homicide, but they don't know the mental state of the shooter. Again, whether it's malice in someone's heart when they pulled the trigger, whether it was completely justified, whether it was this excited heat of passion. So they, they don't have any dog in a fight on that. They just tell you what's their best guess. Sometimes it's just blunt force trauma. And because her opinion was because Mr. Smith was found on a road, it likely was a vehicle accident. Mm-hmm. So that, that really just put these personalities at odds between how I patrol and Dr. Presnell, and we've obtained, which lots of people have, just the full MATE report, which is a multidisciplinary accident investigation team. This is everything Highway Patrol did um, that was pursuant to a FOIA. And you can just see the fact that investigator Proctor at the time is just not satisfied with this. He's having what he writes as a heated conversation. He notes the doctor's negative tone. That, he, that she was unhappy to even receive him because she was so busy, that she, in his words, uh, she basically called him a liar and said that he had never spoken with the coroner Washington. So it's just very loaded language here. And he's clearly frustrated and he's writing this down knowing that this could be reviewed by anybody and everybody one day. And again, he's suggesting, well, could it be with a baseball bat? And she was like, I don't know, did you find one? <laughs> And he's saying, well, what if someone held a baseball bat? And she's saying, I guess anything's possible. So, you know, she's really not trying to feed into any kind of theories other than what she's got. And, again, we talked about it. I mean, troopers, highway patrol, are trained very well in accident cases. So they probably are queuing into the fact that they don't see evidence of let's say, a broken broken lights or glass, or, I mean, they do mention a little bit of road rash regarding his injuries, so, um, but they don't believe, they think something's up, but largely because when they just put their eyeballs, their non-medical eyeballs, they think, as well as a, an original EMS member, that look looked like a gunshot wound. So that just gets everybody in a tizzy. <laughs> but gunshot wounds have to have either an exit wound and if there's no exit wound and an exit wound will look very particular and if there's no exit wound then you're going to find a projectile in there or fragmentation and that just wasn't there yeah so and if
0: that had been missed that would be i mean just major or or it would be some sort of like malpractice and something deeper it i mean
1: what is being kind of thrown at dr presnell's feet here through sled and this whole litigation of this case is basically that she's entirely incompetent or somehow on the take and was influenced inappropriately by somebody prominent with power and money to make a determination that would avoid you know a criminal prosecution so that both either one of those things are just devastating career-ending if they are true but that's certainly what's being lodged Mm -hmm. and i'm sure she's buckled down and her insurance carriers on notice and she probably gets a a million calls a day um and it's obviously unfortunate for her particularly if this is just much ado about nothing i mean the again we talked talked about this there's a an insatiable appetite for consumption of anything murdoch related news wise Mm -hmm. And we've looked through this report. It
0: can be blinding.
1: And the things that do mention Buster are essentially just the most uns- unsubstantiated of rumors they try to track down, mm. and it just comes to nothing. But there's also fingers pointed at other folks. Um, I mean, the, a name that I was unfamiliar with until I really read this was a, the adult, uh, much older boyfriend of. Mr. Smith at the time, a guy named Mark Brickhart, who was had it? never heard of. I had not heard of. Um, he was in his 40s. He confirmed that they were dating mm-hmm. and that he gives a timeline the last time he had seen him. And there's just this remarkable exchange throughout this report about him giving kind of inconsistent version and then almost calling back. And he suspects foul play, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of inconsistent, but he wants to let the cops know he suspects foul play, but he can't really say why.
0: Then he gets a phone call, so he he makes the police report for this you know obscene harassing phone call that he gets from people in the Cayman Islands, mm-hmm. threatening to do to him what was done to his friend, and I don't. think anything really else came of that. I mean, I don't know if they traced the phone call or... It's kind of bizarre. Just very bizarre. And maybe he is,
1: maybe rumors are going on and someone's threatening him, or maybe he doth protest too much for any Shakespeare lovers. And he's trying to, again, embrace the fact that perhaps he's also a victim because he's in this gay relationship and Mm -hmm. uh, much like law enforcement accused Alec Murdoch of doing and they said that he tried to pretend he was a victim so that he could avoid his crime. So, but this was fascinating because he's all through this yeah, and doesn't really have a consistent timeline. That sounds familiar. I mean, <laughs> right. this is like, uh, I'm reading you directly from Proctor's report. <clears throat> interviewing a, 40, a male suspect in his 40s who was supposedly the boyfriend of the deceased. He believes there was foul play. But his story was inconsistent, and he was asked to take a polygraph by the mate team. He stated would do so, but has, that has yet to be arranged. So he's inconsistent, which was basically the until the financial crimes of Alex Murdoch came into the trial against him, it was his inconsistency that put him remember this term the the circle of the investigation and per the sled you're in the circle as a suspect until you get yourself out of it so what put alex murdoch in the circle was that he, this was his wife and his son so you're in the circle because you always look to that immediate loved one well here here's the lover. right
0: right it's but, always the the <laughs> boyfriend or the husband or the you know whatever uh, so here's the lover who's right.
1: in, who's inconsistent. Didn't really, <laughs> didn't either didn't take a polygraph or wasn't followed, followed up on. So I guess per, if you're classically trained in law enforcement, has he gotten himself out of the circle? What what was it that did get him out of the circle? It doesn't say in here. I don't know if he's got an alibi or anything else. Yeah. It just kind of disappears into the ether.
0: I did some like super sleuthing. Not proud about it, but I did. And he shortly moved right after all this happened, out of state. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> but we don't hear about. That. And so, and
1: we're not sitting here to point the no, no, no. at uh, Mr. Um, Mark, if you're watching. We're right. not. Uh, but we like. But I do like to point out when I read this ninety-page report. I mean, there's way more evidence to think about the lover the older lover who mm-hmm. is inconsistent versus like random insinuation there's about three different people put in here right just very randomly straight from the rumor mill yeah and one of those is the, the name buster murdoch and mm-hmm. it, but it's just like they tra- buster
0: and like his friend right it's they,
1: like- they track that down well here, here's one
0: is
1: this the Bilo Uh they, they try to track down somebody that got an argument at Bilo and that just kind of didn't flesh out. Um, here's one that said, a guy named Patrick Wilson told Sean Conley, told him that Sean Conley had struck and killed Stephen Smith. Um, he goes to talk to him. His, his stepdad said that Randy Murdoch told him to call. Well, what is that? Is it because Randy Murdoch was a solicitor at the time, and if you call him, he just says, call the, call the investigator? Or is it something more sinister, such as right. he's trying to influence this somehow? I mean, it, it's hard to say. There was a rumor that a guy named Don Terrio Aiken had committed this crime with Buster.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so they go talk to Don Terrio Aiken. And he's the only one that it seemed they seem to do a formal audio interview and he talks a lot about how he he knew the victim that he graduated um, from wade hampton high school he played football mr smith was a trainer mm-hmm. and then they try to bring it kind of blended in with well how, do you know any murdochs and he's like well not really I mean, he was like i knew was, like
0: the sister it's almost like, like he and Buster weren't in the same grade or something, and then I think they even go on to ask him if he's friends with Buster, and he's like, I know, not really. I know of him. He, I know that he graduated with Steven, I guess that year. Right. And then they were like, Are you Facebook friends with him? And I think Don Terry Don, Don was like, you know, I don't know, I'll have to just check my phone. So I mean, I think it did turn out that he was, but, you know, you're kind of friends with everybody you go to high school. Right. And, it and then seems like he basically alibies
1: himself and says, I do this job, I work yeah. hard, I go home, I stay at this hotel during the week. And mm-hmm. so that turns to poof. I mean, we had uh, August 7th of 2015. This was the real kind of just nothing like Angela Carroll. I contacted Andrew, Angela Carroll in reference to Stephen Smith's death. Information obtained from Stephanie Smith. states a boy named Brendan asked If Steven and Buster had ever had any type of relationship. So when, when they talk to Brendan they do talk to Brendan And he just says look that's just what I heard. It's just pure rumor. Just pure rumor <laughs> And so you you have to commend them. They have to check down a lead but for all the momentum this Cases Mm -hmm. gathered with clearly one public target in mind. Right. It's really kind of unsettling. And I mean, I get, I mean, I, I represent people, not on criminal cases necessarily, but on personal injury cases who have had loved ones that have died in accidents that are really unexplained. And we'll take the case and we'll try to investigate and see if we can find that person. You yeah, know, because if you can, when someone's dead, there's, there's only one, there's two types of justice. You get a criminal charge and they're held accountable, or it's a pure accident and, you know, it doesn't ever bring that person back, but money is the only way our society makes people whole through accidents, by get collecting money through insurance. So, but I have I have clients right now who just can't, who are unsatisfied, who feel like you know, I'll get a, an, an accident report that says their own son was at fault for his part in the, in the accident, the vehicle collision, and they just don't want to believe it. Um, and I try to find another answer. Sometimes I can, and sometimes I can't. And those are, no one should have to lose their family member, but it, it, it can drag you. And also sometimes there's a very tough questions that law enforcement has to have with the family. But in this particular case, if Alex Murdoch had, had never been prosecuted, and had never been convicted, would we even be having this conversation?
0: Exactly. We had some good questions too that I think kind of speak to this. So, one, who do we think killed Stephen? No clue. No clue. Uh, no idea. Um, and then, kind of follow up, why were Alex, or Alec and Randy at the scene when Steven's mom, you know, why did they show up? And is that suspicious? But I think you know they were uh, personal injury lawyers. And also you have to consider how small of a town this is. Um, my dad is a criminal defense attorney, and a, a lot of my friends like, that I went to high school with would like knew my dad or would reach out to him or like you know and we were in a, a much larger city, a very large high school. My graduating class was 700. Keep in mind this high school that Buster and Steven both graduated from was like 400 students, the whole schoolhouse. So their graduating class is super small and it's from a small town. They've probably been going to school with these same kids, knowing these same families for years. So, you know, when something like this happens, I don't know that it is super suspicious that they show up. to kind of lend a helping hand also with their skill set or you know we, we did hear how generous and you know helpful at times the murdochs are were um so i don't know if that is super suspicious i mean you can definitely see where it, it, it is unsettling and some, certain things maybe have been twisted to be like you know why are they asking to take this on free of charge and that sort of thing but it is a very small community
1: yeah, and I didn't see anything referencing that in the Highway Patrol Mate report, but I did see some earlier reporting about that. But it also said that, um, if I'm not mistaken, that Stephen Smith's father was a personal injury client of the, the law firm at the time. And so, you know, sure, you go in there, the guys of small town, and, and maybe that's truly for a client, you might want to go down there and See what's going on. Maybe you hope for the new business. Maybe you're just mm-hmm. small town stuff. But um, but you know, it seemed to be really just. It wasn't like the allegation with the boat crash case where you know law enforcement was very happy to say you know Alec came in there influencing witnesses with his badge hanging out of his pocket and trying to get some benefit about shaping the direction of the investigation. It seemed to be very much, from what I read, after the crime scene or well, the scene, you know, we get so used to calling things a crime scene, but if it was an accidental impact or something like that, it's not a crime unless you, unless you knew you left, um, that you hit something. But, so I don't know that they can really make much out of it. Um, I did come across a letter as well that... <laughs> that Mrs. Smith wrote to FBI headquarters back in 2016. Did you ever read that? I don't think I got to this part. Um, and, you yeah, know, it's a real cry for help. And this is basically when nothing's happening and she goes out on Lynn and basically directly accuses the Murdochs of basically being involved in the various way that she's alleging that she she needs help because local authorities can't do anything with the powerful family, and I don't know where. I mean, I see all of her calls to law enforcement in this log all through throughout this time, and other than just the rumor, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know where she gets a lot of this because I would think that highway patrol would put it in here, but. She's talking about calls coming from solicitor Randy Murdoch, offering to help him being a kind of liaison. And again, this is, you know, what they would call, well, this is, this is the former solicitor, Alex's dad. Um, and that he kind of was, they were acting surprised and why would he even call? And then he stopped returning calls They kind of cast some suspicion on that and they were approached multiple times by peers telling her that the nephew, nephews she puts, were responsible. And so of course we're getting here to bust her. but mm. if you're going by this police Highway Patrol mate report, it's just, yeah, you get that call, but they track it down it's just like, there's nothing to it. So she's writing the FBI about that very thing um, and just talking about being approached by just random people. Um, and just talking about the officer's belief that it was a backbeating. Really? She kind of doesn't really talk about, um, a gunshot. 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 And she's again, specifically saying, I mean, she's putting it after Buster on this letter saying, Hey, he sold his vehicle. Um, we think that's suspicious. We need his vehicle because his vehicle could be a crime scene. Uh, and it's really the type of stuff that just goes out there and you know so it goes on and on but they they outright say we believe Solicitor Murdoch's influence extends to the pathologist Dr. Aaron Presnell of MUSC um, that's a bold that is, accusation yes and so she wrote in a letter dangerous. to the FBI and she's distraught and she's grieving and she's looking for answers but, I mean, that is something. And she just basically describes how the, the, the lead highway patrol investigator, Todd Proctor, she kind of references his feelings about the pathologist. So, um, she just kind of goes through it and, and pleads for help from the FBI because she thinks that this is all being swept on the rug by powerful influences. But, I
0: just find it so hard to connect for her not like saying but to connect those dots with the information that was presented at the time like there are just so many other situations and reports that seem more likely just of all of the reports for that to be kind of what she's like so dead set on i mean maybe she knows more than what's been released
1: and i mean i see that they could they look yeah i mean that's we could talk that into into the ground but it's just from my perspective, you've got a lot of grief, and grief is always looking for mm-hmm. somewhere to end. Yeah. Someone that needs to be held responsible. Um, and again, there's only two ways to do that. You either find evidence of criminal action and get that person charged, or you figure out who did something recklessly, negligently, and try to hold them responsible through money. Um, in this case, I mean, I'm very curious. You got public statements about whenever this new autopsy occurs you know sled basically being there you know observing um, but they you know they act like they don't really need it to continue their investigation they believe it's homicide and that's that's interesting considering the pathologist's original opinion but if the, the new pathologist says something different and says well i can see that this is in fact a bullet hole or this is in fact clearly I mean something a baseball bat or not consistent with a vehicle collision because it's only a small portion of the head and not the rest of the body being injured then it's, it's really kind of game on but I guess I mean it's already game on in terms of a, an appetite mm. By lawyers and by law enforcement to find someone to blame, hold accountable, persecute. I mean, if you think about our history as a nation, we can't always be proud. I mean, back in the Salem witch trials, there was an appetite mm. to burn young women at the stake for the belief that they practiced witchcraft. And it was appetited in public it was the appetite of the authorities, and it spread like wildfire. Um, And of course, no one was practicing witchcraft, and it's what we call a witch hunt. So, is this a witch hunt? I'll leave that to the viewers, but I think there's a a big argument to say yes. Mm -hmm. Um, The young man, Mr. Smith, is dead. The question is, was it an accident? Was it something like a hit and run where somebody should have known they hit hit a human on the road and again i don't know if i've told this story before but i once represented a truck driver on a hit and run death i think i've told the story but he he was pulling a u-turn at night with a heavily laden trailer and the very, and so he was doing a tight u-turn where it was so tight that his whole truck is just vibrating as he turns very sharply and somebody plowed into his back rear tires on his totally full, heavy truck, he didn't know he was hit. Um, he goes, he just keeps driving after that turn, makes about, a, goes about a quarter mile and sees his back tires on fire.
0: Oh
1: and wow. he immediately calls 911 and says, oh my gosh, I think I hit somebody or if someone hit me, I'm going back. And so he goes back, he's the first on the scene and highway patrol arrives and the guy's dead. And he was charged with hit and run, you know, death, which is the most serious hit and run crime in South Carolina. And we ended up winning the case because it was a, I called it a hit and return. It wasn't a hit and run because that, that's what's criminal. It's not criminal. He was guilty of making a an unlawful U-turn. And ultimately his trucking company would have to pay a bunch of money to that guy but, and his family. But the criminal part of it, wasn't there because he returned as soon as he realized it. So the question is, if this is a vehicular case where somebody hit him because he was walking at night, I mean, how do you determine whether there's a criminal element to it, whether someone knew they hit? I mean, they in this mate report, they talk about exploring a logging company that was close by on that road, just to see if maybe one of those logging trucks, if there's any evidence they could find that hit, and they really couldn't find that, but I've got a case right now where a logging truck on video had this huge branch that would be easily enough to kill a man if you were driving by. In my case, it knocked the, the the side mirror off my guy's vehicle as it passed, and the trucker never knew about it. And my guy chased him down and said, hey, what's going on? Uh, you hit me back there. And that trucker wasn't a very, very happy to have that conversation either. but. So, it's hard to say, but you're really not going anywhere unless a medical doctor says something. I mean, SLED is saying it's homicide, but is there another doctor that's saying this is an intentional killing? Um, if the question that I always ask is if, if someone were somehow arrested, I mean the, the thought process, and I'm sorry for talking so much. Oh no! <laughs> but the, the thought process is that there's a now there's a possibility that a truly helpful witness would feel less less pressure, less. The Murdoch dynasty is diminished allegedly, and that they might feel more willing to come forward because people came forward back then and just poof, amounted to nothing. It was just all rumors. So that is the hope. But if you get someone like that who says, okay. Here's what I know because I texted, or because I trust my source. Talk to them. And they say it was a homicide, but your medical doctor says it wasn't. And where do you go from there? You've got a whole history of SLED not disputing that this was a vehicular accident. So it doesn't, if they ever find somebody, it doesn't make for a great case. Now obviously plenty of lawyers disagree with me and that's why they're representing this case and, are, and, and it might, it could be, there's lots of reasons to take a case. Um, whether you think it's the right thing to do for a victim or a family, or whether you think there's you know, some monetary justice, or whether you think that the press, any press is good press. Those are all perfectly acceptable reasons to take a case. Those are all reasons that I've taken a case. But, um, there's something to be said for making hay while the sun is shining.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And why, why wouldn't this, why wouldn't people be assuming another Murdoch? I just feel like since Buster's left, it's like, let's go for Buster. I don't know, like, I just find it so hard to believe that a 19, he would have been 19 at the time, a teenager would have successfully... Uh, staged murder cover-up all of that until you know now seven eight years later finally being investigated again I just find that hard to believe that like that would have been successful Um, I I mean call me crazy I just I don't know
1: well that's true I mean I've represented plenty of 19 year olds that have done some bad stuff I've also represented plenty of Banks and olds who have done some reckless, youthful mm. stuff. But I guess if you're on the other side of this, you know, there would be this argument that, well, you do something bad and then you've got your powerful family to cover it up. But I mean, usually people that do something bad have a history of doing bad things. Or, mm. I mean, to say, I mean, the the motive that gets tossed out there is that because Stephen Smith was gay, that this is a hate crime. Like, I don't know where that's coming from other than it's the same place that is rumor. I mean, it's an assumption that this is, I mean, I don't think Hampton County is that different in 2015 than it is now. -hmm. I mean, the way it's referenced in the news is like, oh, back then, it would, never, it would have not been acceptable to be a an out gay young man. You would get beaten by a bat for it. No, maybe, but it's nothing has changed between 2015 and now. It's not like now you're free to be. And it's, so it's just strange to act like oh, back then this this must be a hate crime. Well, if. If a truck hit Mr. Smith on the side of the road because he was out of gas and walking, that's not a hate crime. But you just have to have something to substantiate that motive. Now that would be an acceptable motive if you can find somebody to hold accountable. Sure, there are plenty of bigots out there that do things for hateful reasons, whether it's race or any other reason reason to be a bigot. But so. It it would be anywhere in the South. It could be anywhere in the North. But just give it to us. Prove it. Don't allege it. Because otherwise, I mean, you are really defaming somebody. Yeah. Um, And and that's why uh, Buster put out that statement last week, I believe it was. So,
0: I mean, I'm surprised that he hasn't mentioned that before with like Netflix and HBO. Because they do mention his name in relation to Stephen Smith as well and maybe there's something there. Right, I mean
1: you, people in passion, you know, often gets people killed. Um, Whether it's domestic, I mean I signed up a new domestic client today that, you know, just has such a hard thing going and it's due to the relationship. Mm -hmm. But so, again, (laughs) at least for what we heard from law enforcement in the Alec Murdoch trial, yeah, I'd be very curious how the boyfriend got himself out of the circle of suspicion. Yeah. Um, because that's who you look at. I mean, if it's... High Patrol definitely thought it was foul play, but they didn't seem to look at the much older boyfriend very hard.
0: No, <laughs> no not really at all. I mean, they look hardest
1: at the pathologists. <laughs> as far as I can tell, and just really disagreed with her. But, um, but it wasn't like they dropped the case. I mean, they still kept, mm-hmm. if she says it's a vehicular accident, you look for the person that caused the accident. If she says it is a gunshot wound, well, then you look for the person that's shot. Either way, your job is there. It's just one lends itself more to an accident, and one certainly lends itself to a charge like murder. Mm-hmm. or you know the, the concept of homicide which is more of a coroner type thing so either way you try to find a person and nothing ever came of it so I'm concerned that we are in a modern-day witch trial and I, and I don't like to see that because it's a slippery slope I don't want to see that being acceptable I get it it's salacious it's high profile We're doing our little podcast talking about it because it's what people want to hear about. Yeah. But um, you want things done for the right way. Law enforcement, you know, prosecutors are meant to be, they have an ethical duty to be what's called ministers of justice. They're supposed to evaluate a case, do the right thing based on the law and the facts, not based on an election or how they might be perceived in the papers. So... You really you know it's it's only due to Alex Murdoch's sensational trial was Miss Smith able to get the funds to then hire uh, independent pathologists so all those other grieving mothers and fathers out there that do have right. loved ones that have died in ways that did not satisfy them you know unless they're rich they don't have the resources to for 20 grand or whatever it might be to They don't have the juice to get that. Okay, so it's I'm not saying that Miss Smith has taken advantage of the situation for anything other than getting what she thinks is justice, Mm -hmm. but she is in a unique position where people are happy to fork out money just to see where that goes. Yeah. Um so it's it's a very interesting situation.
0: And I you know, I hope that if there was foul play that Steven Smith and Sandy do get that closure and that justice. Um but yeah, just interesting how we got here. Um and, had, and at the expense yeah, of somebody sorry. that, you know, we don't really have any any information yet, like or any any evidence that really puts Buster there or you know, so mm-hmm. you know, I'm all for Stephen Smith getting justice in this case getting more attention since it's you know deemed unsolved you know I think there's a lot of cases out there and other podcasts like Crime Junkies have to do a great job of highlighting those those cases and putting them on the map but throwing Buster I think in the mud prematurely is just not not fair um no yeah but one thing that I did find to be interesting and this was maybe the first time I heard of it today there was a rape kit ordered like within 13 hours of the discovery of the body um and then I didn't hear much if anything ever came of that so you know initially people who responded to this I guess viewed this uh not as a hit and run and then later kind of called that off or is that normal practice or are they just kind of checking all the boxes what do you have experience with
1: I usually see that in actual sexual assault allegations, but I think probably because this was so... They didn't have a clue to who... I mean, clearly high patrol and local law enforcement didn't think it was a vehicle case. Mm -hmm. So they thought it was a gunshot or they thought it was some kind of assault. So now it wasn't, there's no evidence of sexual assault, but if you, a, a typical rape kit would tell you perhaps who Mr. Smith may have been intimate with by hair or fluids. And that's basically kind of like, well, who's he been around recently? Who, mm. you know, if, it, if you take that sample, I have no idea whether it was tested, you run it through CODIS, and let's say it pops up to a guy who's got a, just got out of prison for kidnapping, <laughs> um, and has posted online from prison about how he hates gay people, then, well, that would be quite a elite. Yeah, um, that would be quite elite. So that's probably why they did it. Um, they also bagged his hands for gunshot residue, mm-hmm. um, which would tell you whether he had been around a gun that was being fired if, you know, I think, I don't know what the results of that are, but it's not a mess, but I know that they got that sample and they would have done that right on scene when they thought it looked like a gunshot wound mm-hmm. But it would be quite interesting if he had gunshot residue on his hands and let's say some defensive wounds, but then you've got a pathologist saying it's not a, it's not a bullet wound. Well, then you know his hands at least are in the presence of a gun being fired and could get some of those particles. So that'll be interesting, but I don't know the evidence of that. Uh, it's not in this report. That would be something that something like SLED would test for, and it looks like it was sent to SLED even though they weren't part of this investigation back then. <laughs> um, so it's fascinating. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at... I just think it's silly to say that they weren't part of the investigation until 2021, because they do... I mean, they've got the crime scene. They sent the GSR to the SLED laboratory. Agent Talon did a whole crime scene analysis, took pictures. Chain of Custody, Brittany Burke's on scene. So like, I think they're saving face a little bit to say that they never were part of the investigation. They certainly were. And I just think they backed down once um, the pathologists, well, the dead ends were there and the pathologist ruled it not as a gunshot. Um, also part of the, um, I found it interesting that part of the crime scene when they went back to the car they found footwear impressions in the dirt around the driver's door. They were basically consistent with the shoes he was wearing so oh. they didn't find anything any like other easily identifiable foot imprints to show that maybe he had been abducted from his car or that someone had
0: moved the car. Moved
1: the car. Later. This is a car that the doors were locked and it was it would not start for officers. The key was in his pocket. Um, so, you know, there's really no leads there at all that are consistent with anything else. But Slide was definitely investigating. <laughs> so, I don't know what to tell you about that other than they were.
0: Other than they were. Uh, lots of unanswered questions, uh, rumors of Key West fishing trips, and, and God knows what else. But all of that will have to wait until next week. Um, If y'all have any questions about this case, feel free to comment on some of our videos. We take a look at those to see any listener questions or just, you know, any information that you have kind of found. Um, We've also been covering the Idaho 4 briefly. We did one episode on that. Um, We'll definitely be diving deeper into that as that trial approaches, I believe, in June. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have any other cases that you're interested in, I saw somebody mentioned the Gwyneth Paltrow trial that's going on with the skiing (laughs) incident. Um, That may be a quick little Uh, Um, (laughs) blurb. But yeah, if there's anything else that you guys are interested in or want to learn more about, feel free to let us know. Send us a message. um, Comment on the videos, however you want to get in touch with us. But that'll be it for tonight for, I guess this was part two of our Stephen Smith coverage. Um, Tune in next week, again, Monday night. Brian will hopefully be here to join us. And if if you liked it better without Brian, just just let us know. (laughs) If you want
1: want more Hannah, if you'd like me to drop out and Just have Hannah,
0: (laughs) we can do it that way, too. (laughs) Please don't do that. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, Alex Baldwin trial. I don't know about that.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Oh,
0: oh, the gun that was loaded.
1: Set. Yeah. We might have to cover that. That's fascinating. That is kind of. You did get charged with involuntary manslaughter. Oh gosh. Um we might have to take a look at that.
0: Okay. Maybe we'll do like a we we'll do like a Gwyneth and Alec collab uh, podcast. That'd be really interesting. Um, enjoy listening to y'all. Thank you so much, Smiley D84. We appreciate it. Um catch us next week. Feel free to like, subscribe. If you missed any part of this episode, The full episode will be posted to YouTube tomorrow, as well as just the audio to Spotify, anywhere that you get your podcasts. So thank you guys so much, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, guys.